Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Best Show Ever Pod, the podcast where I interview people about the best concert they ever saw in their life. I'm your host, Cam Hertz, uh, and this is a really cool episode. This is a uh, got a musician on this episode, someone who has been playing some really cool shows recently and through the summer. Um, but turns out he's actually seen some really cool shows too. It's Brian Murray from Dogs in the Pile. Um, we talked to him while he's in his studio. Um, out on the East Coast, um, we get into some really cool stuff. We get into fish. Uh, we get into just some classic dad and son concert going stuff. Um, and he's a really cool dude. It's a really great conversation. So I won't bore you with any more intro. Uh, sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation that I had with Brian from Dogs in a Pile. But first, here's a little bit of music from none other than Jesus and Fartfinger. But first, first, a short break. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. This is the best show ever. This is the best show ever. This is the best show, the best show ever. This is the best show. The best show I ever heard. I think I have to agree. And we can we can actually officially get this started. All right. There's going to be we for those of you <laughs> listening to this episode, we started it twice. So there's actually two alternate takes of this, and you'll never get to hear that. Those are going to be in the vault forever. Um, you'll miss out on it completely. But this is the official interview with Br- <laughs> with Brian Murray, not uh, Jeremy Kaplan <laughs> from. From dogs, um, is that what it's showing? In the corner of your video, it says Jeremy. But let's not get let's not get that confused either. We're talking to Brian. Um, and happy to have you, dude. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, what? So you guys wrapped up a pretty hot summer. Um, like I I was saying before, I got to see one of those shows at the Mint. So that was 
that was super fun. But what are you, what are you guys doing now that uh, you're waiting for another tour to start? Um, well, we're mostly planning on the weekends this month of August. Um, since Peach at the beginning of July, we went yeah. from being on the road all the time, like never coming home to uh, playing more sporadically and more local for the most part. So it's been good. Just been doing a lot of work at home, writing music, rehearsing, working on all sorts of stuff, merchandise, you know. Um, and it's been great. Feel really inspired from, you know, the month of July was just, there was so much going on. And uh, so many great, you know, once we got home, so many great bands came through town. Goose and, and uh, Tab played in the same four days at, at the Stone Pony, and that was freaking awesome. And, uh, yeah, so that's cool. Just, and, you know, taking it slower yeah. with it. I was playing on the weekends, but still working. Still seeing each yeah. other. <laughs> so it's got to be nice to have like weekend gig dates and it's still work. You guys are still out there working, but it's got to be nice to like, you're in the studio and you're working on stuff, but then you get to go like kind of cut loose and be on stage and like play in front of a crowd and get a response and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> sweet. Uh, and you, you've got, you, you like, you've got the perfect like musician backdrop right now. For those of you watching the video or not watching the video, Brian's got the, like, he looks like he's about to drop a master class on us right now about recording. Yeah. He's got all the stuff. <laughs> he's got all the stuff there. Yeah. Um, got the three sides to the keys now. If you can, that's right. <laughs> oh, can't really see it, but yeah. Yeah. You got all the boards there. Yeah. It's looking great. Um, and you know, it's, it's awesome to get to see you guys play live. It's awesome to watch you guys' dynamic together on stage, like pretty apparent, like, you know, I hadn't seen you guys before that mint show, um, and had been listening and, you know, following along, but getting to see you guys live is, was such a treat, but we're not here to talk about any of the shows that you've played live. Nope. Um, <laughs> even though you've done some cool ones, uh, we're here to talk about the shows that Brian has seen. So um before we get into your best shows and your your honorable mentions and all that stuff i like to do um first show and worst show so what was what was the first concert you ever saw in your life first concert i ever saw was motley crew at madison square garden 2009 dude i was 10 and yeah <laughs> my dad's friend invited us to go with him and his kid um my friend Matt and yeah, it was my first time seeing a show period. And it was at Madison square garden, which is a really cool first place Man. to see a show and just be like, wow, what the heck is going on here? Um, the room, I remember like the first image I had in my head of, of that place. Yeah. Just, I don't know, like I was just shocked that we could go right from the train just into this amazing place in like two seconds right in the middle of new york city and uh I, I grew up in long island so most of the shows i've seen are at madison square garden i've probably seen like 50 wow. at least concerts there and uh a couple games and stuff you know nicks and whatever else but um yeah so saw the show it was like a big shock it was really rowdy 
and the crowd was really in, intense, but it was cool. And uh, I was just kind of watching in amazement the whole time how a rock show was, people losing their minds, screaming, cheering, and, and uh, the band having a blast on stage. Tommy Lee and Mick Mars, right? Yeah. And the other guys. <laughs> Mickey Stick. I, I, cool. I got to be honest, I don't know the members of Mountain Crew off the top of my head. So I, you got to know Tommy Lee, but I don't. Yeah. Mickey Six, Mick Mars, and uh, is it Vince Neal. Is that the guy? I think that's the whole band. I don't know. Listen, I believe you. I'll tell you that much. I believe that that's it. But yeah, dude, I mean, like, what for a 10 year old, like, Motley Crue is such a rock and roll show, you know? Like, what, what was that environment like? that kind of like freak you out or was that like um exciting or was it like oh this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life type vibes or it was definitely a shock i don't think at that point i was like uh yeah i i knew i wanted to be a musician but the having that really be a thought didn't come until a little later um yeah from another you know i'm sure we'll talk about those shows later but uh okay yeah. yeah um yeah it was but it was it was inspiring and and i was i had started to play guitar a couple of years before that when i was like seven and um was learning zeppelin and pink floyd and rush and stuff like that those were my first couple of bands and motley Crue was heavier i i didn't really listen to them before seeing the show but i did like a lot of the songs and it was it was fun I was I was big on the same thing. I was listening to all my dad's music. Um, you know, Zeppelin and and Floyd and Rush were like his, you know, his pillars of uh of music taste. Um, but my first show was Queen, which is like a similar, like it's just like a rock show and they you know, like, show, yeah. Wow. yeah, just like just like blew my friggin' mind. Um yeah. I and I'll say this at my Queen show, I was like, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a front lead guitarist. That's what I'm gonna be. Um and then later that week, I think I might have gone to a Bucks game and I was like, I'm going to be a point guard in the NBA. Um, so I was kind of, I was like deciding my shit all the time. Uh-huh. I was a new, you know, went home and watched the Masters and I'm like, I'm going to be Tiger. So I was going to be a Tiger Woods point guard, uh, lead guitarist of the biggest band in the world. And so, yeah, that was, that, that was my path for sure. Um, and now I'm running a podcast. So it ended up working out ended up being pretty much the same thing yep yeah that's great and then you get the golf thing with uh long strange putt that's right yeah Yeah. me me and putt have the golf thing and we haven't got a chance to play together yet but um yeah and like you know the groupies are the same for podcasts as they are for like a rock band like it's crazy over here for me so i totally get it completely same atmosphere um but what about the and uh, what about the worst show you ever saw? And you know, I said this to to Jeff, and you know, you don't have to put down any other musicians or any other artists if you don't want to. Um, but was there uh, was there like an uninspired worst show that you saw? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this, and I realized I guess I'm lucky to have not seen so many terrible shows. But I can think of one. It was in New York City. I forget what year. I was in high school. And I used to just go online and, and see who was playing in New York City any given weekend. And, uh, you know, if I was free and I'd go with friends to see shows and just pick this random punk band who I'm not going to name. And 
I was at the PlayStation Theater, which is a great venue. I love that place. Um, not around anymore. I don't know if they're opening up under a name or whatever, but um, yeah, saw the band. And it just, I don't know, every, it wasn't just that band. It was the two opening bands before them too. Just felt uninspired. The crowd was kind of weak and, and that doesn't necessarily mean it makes for a bad show, but um, the crowd wasn't really having it either. And the singing didn't really stand out or any melody. And it just didn't seem like they were having fun on stage. Um, and uh, yeah, but that was really it. There was nothing like, terribly wrong about it um but uh yeah just for me the energy from the artists themselves wasn't there and you know if they're not psyched about it then what's the point you know it's a it's a pretty clear thing like even if you don't like if you don't do comedy and you go see a comedian and you see a comedian's like not having fun or like uninspired you know you you know like right away or if you see you, you know if you yourself are not a musician and you go see an artist like you may not know the notes that they're playing you may not know you know the arrangement of the you know song but you can tell if someone is feeling uninspired or looking uninspired and so um that's like a palpable thing and honestly you could have shit songs or shit jokes or shit whatever you're presenting but if you're like having fun then people are like yeah i'm down for this i don't know what it is but yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, like I, I do a, like a lot of the stuff that I do is improv and that's a bunch of fucking nonsense. It's a bunch of, <laughs> you know, like it's not written jokes. It's a lot of like inside jokes and stuff. But if you're if if you are having fun, it's infectious. And so, yeah, the same is true for the opposite. Um, sure. Is there like, do you guys ever feel like in dogs? Is there ever anything that like, I mean, at this point, um, you're going to do a dog's set. You're going to show up and you're going to do a dogs in a pile set. But is there ever stuff that like helps you guys get into the mood or like hurts you guys getting into a performing mood or? Um, yeah. Uh, well, most shows we kind of get side stage and um, we'll do like a hands in thing and say something different every time, like something yeah. funny or something that is in the context of the city or some yeah. crazy person who's around or something. I don't know. It's like, you know, yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, that all gets pumped. We'll also like do some breathing exercises or something like that. And uh, there are vocal warm-ups that happen too. And um, but yeah, usually in those like 20 minutes before showtime, you can hear the crowd outside or you know you've got a bunch of friends there or whatever. And uh, yeah, so you just get in that showtime mode. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's having a crowd there and should be, it feels like it should be enough having your buddies in the crowd feels like it should be enough, but yeah, sometimes you just got to do some extra stuff and you got to do things to keep things light um, and get yourself yeah. in the mood. I'm, I'm also way into the breathing technique thing. I've gotten into that for comedy stuff. And right. um, it used to feel like I need to be, uh, I need to be like kind of frantic. I kind of need to be like in a state of like, I don't, you know, 
I don't know what's going to happen to to get out there, but it's a little it's a little more consistent if I'm like calm, you know, meditated beforehand, did something like that. Yeah, it's interesting though. Sometimes if you go out there gung ho and you're as prepared as you can possibly be, it might not go that great. But then there are other times where you had a not ideal day leading up to it, and it ends up being like a great show where you just feel super comfortable and things are just flowing. So it's it's interesting. You never know where you're going to get, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice knowing that it's out of your hands, you know, like <laughs> yeah, could happen. I guess. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'd like to be in control of it sometimes, but, um, well, sweet dude. I mean, like, you know, it's hard to pick a best show that you ever saw. It sounds like getting into New York and seeing a bunch of different variety of shows, like stuff at MSG, stuff at smaller clubs, like you've seen a lot of shows, so it's hard to pick a best show ever. Do you have like honorable mention shows um, that you'd be remiss if you didn't bring up? Yeah. It's tough because my best show ever is like tied between three different shows. So yeah, I guess they're like all honorable mentions, but um, yeah. So honorable mentions uh, saw rush at the garden too. That was crazy with my dad. A lot of the first shows I ever saw were with my dad. Um, and, uh, which is great. We had a lot of fun and, um, yeah, who else? Uh, I've seen fish quite a bit at the garden too. I've seen them more there than any other place. And that's just my favorite thing. Um, my first show was actually at Jones beach. That's an, an honorable mention on July 12, 2013. I had heard stash on my dad's iTunes. He was given a CD like a decade earlier by some friend, you know, like friend that he would ski with. And, uh, he never really, you know, he knew a couple of songs. It was like on his iTunes, there was like gumbo, heavy things, fast enough for you bouncing around the room stash. And, uh, I heard stash first and that's how I would find new music. I would like go through my dad's thousands of songs or whatever. And heard yeah. that caught my ear immediately. Just that guitar tone and the, it was so interesting. And um, started learning it immediately on guitar. I was like 12. And uh, then a few months later, after learning a bunch of Fish's repertoire and uh, um, not just listening, but guitar as well, um, asked my dad if he could take me to a show. And he's like, oh, Fish? He's like, sure. <laughs> I guess so. And uh, he wasn't like, a huge fan um yeah and uh then we went to jones beach and i felt it like the second they came on stage and just the crowd erupted lights went down it was a really cool feeling um and then they opened up with chalk dust torture mm-hmm. and I, it just felt so from the first note i was like this this is a cool thing to be doing you know yeah I was like, dude probably be wanting to i don't know i i kind of knew in my head it was like this is what i have to do perform on stage playing music for people that are you know psyched as much as you are about music in some form oh, yeah you know so uh yeah and then some other honorable mentioned fish shows i guess there's like my third show a couple months after that at Madison square garden it was december 30th that was the loudest crowd I ever heard in my life. 
that night during yeah. like school and Harry Hood and stuff and Tweezer Reprise. It was the loudest, craziest energy at the garden I ever heard. If you listen to the audience recordings on like re-listen or something, like three minutes into simple or something like that, it doesn't really do it justice, but you can kind of hear it. The, the crowd yeah. overtakes the band for like a second. And uh, I was just like, wow, it was so cool. So inspiring. And um, yeah, and that's a special place to see them too. So seeing them there for the first time is really something. And uh, yeah, what else was I going to say about that? Um, Did you, when you saw Fish, um, were you into like the improvised jam type of music? Because, you know, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd is a little bit of that, but it's still pretty heavily composed. Like, once you saw Fish, did you start seeking out some more um, jam type music? Or Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, the dead and fish are always in this kind of like, you know, the same conversation, some, uh, you know, a lot of the time. So uh, I got into the dead after fish, which was interesting. I always knew touch of gray and truck in and Casey Jones and stuff like that from the radio. But um, then people were like, yeah, I mean, the, the dead are similar in that they do long improvised jam sections and stuff like that. Like, go check it out. And then I started getting into that about it, you know, a year later after checking out fish and, and I was like, Oh yeah, that's also pretty great. And um, yeah. So, and then from there, I was like officially in the jam band thing. Then I like really got into Mo and uh, yeah. Whittle was coming up right at that time. They were getting really hot in like 2014 and uh, saw my first Twiddle show in 2016. I think they're great. Um, mm. and, and some other bands, the Jaunty was coming up as well. And uh, I just, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, a bunch of other bands. So yeah, I was getting into that whole scene. And then from there, the bands that those bands cover and artists, like the amount of artists I didn't know about that I'm a huge fan of now before fish is is crazy like fish you know i think that's the same for a lot of fans they introduce you to so many so many bands um and different solo artists and stuff like that it's really cool it's like a great um gateway to so much other music and uh yeah and then around the same time i was getting into fingerstyle guitar stuff like country fingerstyle guitar and um oh one more thing i want to say about that fish show yeah shows at that time i haven't seen it as much in the last couple of years since they came back for from the pandemic but at the garden on the way in but mostly on the way out people were still screaming in waves in the hallways after those shows like yeah you know and you're like oh my god <laughs> still just in every hallway I, I was in i've been you know practically in all the sections at MSG walking out in those years between like 2013, 2017, it was so loud. And so just like, you were like, you know, gasping for, it was just like such a special thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That it was, it was a really cool time to be seeing them and uh, super grateful for the experience. Yeah. And then, seeing, uh, sorry. Seeing those types of shows, uh kind of ruins other types of shows for you because people are so locked in and i you know same thing first couple times i saw fish like you, you leave the building and you know people are just 
hooting and hollering like they just won the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. It's like another night, you know, tomorrow and everything. And then you'll go see, you know, a band that's not in that world or an artist that's not in that world. And people are kind of just shuffling out like how people yeah, like do. Really and you're like, too. yeah, I felt that. And I thought about that recently. You know, I saw a great I've seen a, a bunch of great music lately. And it's it's like, man, where is that energy? You know, yeah. I guess I don't know. I don't know. It's like something in the air, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, a, it happens on special nights and it happens with special fan bases. And, you know, like to get to a point where you're screaming in joy after a show, a lot of stuff has to go right. You know, like a lot of, you gotta be in a good section. You gotta be like having a good time on whatever drugs you're on. You gotta be, you know, like a lot of things have to converge for that. And it seems like when fish plays Madison square garden, um, almost every category of that gets taken care of for people. You know, they're like in a historic venue. They just saw fish put on one of their better shows of the year. They, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're New York. Like, you know, it's like a whole confluence of things, you know, Capitol theater has a similar energy in my opinion. I've seen a lot of great yeah. shows there too. And, uh, yeah. Another honorable mention, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones at the Capitol theater, whatever year that was, that was freaking incredible wow um one of a kind band just wild wildly talented and uh tight and inspiring um but yeah i was i was gonna say i was i was getting into fingerstyle guitar because <clears throat> i went to a this is one of the greatest shows i ever seen too was um i was at a camp at berkeley college of music and when i was in high school it was a summer camp it was like a five-day program um in boston and uh, I went and was taking a bunch of workshops and classes and stuff. And it was really cool meeting a lot of people and um, kind of getting out of New York really for the first time to do something by myself. And um, it was great. And then this one teacher was like, I'm giving you all these ticket stubs to go see this Australian guitar player tomorrow. He'll flip your guitar world upside down. I was like, you yeah, know, okay. And I uh, took the ticket. It was Tommy Manuel. And I ended up going wow. the next night at the Berkeley Performance Center, the BPC. And um, that guy came out on stage with just his guitar, acoustic guitar, and the best acoustic sound quality in the world. Like, I've never heard anything like it. Um, he came out and was just the most entertaining, exciting guitar player i'd ever seen or just performer in general i'd ever seen in my life and uh um and it was funny because i was at a point in time in my guitar playing where i would use a flat pick but i always used it wrong from the beginning i like held it with three fingers couldn't figure out why i like couldn't really play that fast and uh then i started just using my fingers for like a year leading up to that and he was using a thumb pick and tearing it up and making it the most interesting thing i'd ever heard and i was like dang this is the way so he he was selling them at his merch table selling thumb picks and i i bought one and ever since that day i've never really seriously tried to use a flat pick ever again i just use the thumb pick now and um, very cool it's a very it allows you to play very diverse you can hold it like a flat pick by just closing your index finger on it but um you can play bass rhythm and melody at the same time by just like separating your fingers up and uh, doing like banjo roll kind of styles and stuff. And that concert really changed my life forever. 
Uh, and I've seen him probably a dozen times since then. And every wow. single time he delivers, he's just, he's the most animate person about practicing you'll ever listen to. Like when you hear him talk in interviews, they're like, how do you practice? Like, and he's like, Oh, I was, I was practicing at 5am this morning, you know, every day. Um, he's just a monster and his hands are just the strongest, most broken in hands, um, yeah. that I've ever seen or heard. Uh, so yeah, that concert knocked me out. And then I think it was in the same weekend. I saw a Jerry Reed and Chad Atkins ensemble, which is in the same wheelhouse as Tommy Emanuel. Those are the guys that inspired him, those cats. And, uh, saw that concert at the same, in the same room in that same weekend. And, um, that really inspired me to go to Berkeley as well. Um, seeing that band play. Cause I, it's like, what they have a Jerry Reed, Chad Atkins ensemble playing the music of similar to the guy I just saw like two nights ago. This is great. And, uh, Yes, by Rick Peckham, who um, Jeremy and Sam from Dogs and I actually ended up doing a like a directed study ensemble class with him where we just played like music that we were writing at the time before Dogs. And um, he was a great, great teacher and and, uh, really walked us through a lot of stuff and made us a better band. But yeah, so those two shows were really something. Um, There's, you know, there's something to uh, doing whatever your craft is all the time and, and working and and practicing and and playing shows and, um, you know, getting up it, it, those reps are super important and practicing is obviously super important. And, you know, that's a, that's a way to hone your, your voice, but, um, it's, it's just as important to go see shows. I mean, um, when I was in school for comedy stuff at second city, they're like, you know, I, at the end of class would like plug my shows all the time. No one else in my class was like really doing any spots yet. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm at the, you know, I'm at this room at eight tonight or I'm at this room at 10. And I had a teacher be like, kind of like pull me aside and be like, that's great. And everything that you're like doing shows and getting up and that's nice. But like, you got to go see people and you got to go watch people who are incredible yeah. and you'll grow just as much or more than by just like, you know, spinning your wheels on stage and same thing. That's like the best advice I ever got in my creative life was to go watch people, you know, or um, like if you're a chef, you got to go like, go eat great food or, you know, if you're an artist, go see great paintings, you know, like that that's where some massive growth can happen. Um, And you can really like knock down a lot of your limitations. You know, I'm sure like, before that show, if someone like handed you that pick, you'd be like, I, I don't really fucking care about this. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'm good. But to watch it in practice and see the possibilities, you got to be able to see it, you know, to be able to do it. And so, um, yeah, that sounds like a big weekend for you, dude. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of great songwriters too say that you're never going to really write anything that great unless you listen to a lot of great songs and songwriters, you know, to learn hear all the different ways it could be done, I guess, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were really great shows. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like so much of the artistic journey is getting out of your own way. And I think an easy way to do that is just like completely remove yourself and just listen to, <laughs> listen to someone or oh, yeah. Yeah, study, sure. study someone else and um, remove yourself from it. Man, very sick. Um, are those, are those all of the honorable mentions or did did the best show ever come up within those honorable mentions or um, 
Yeah, it's like the best show I think I ever saw is like right up there with the Tommy Emanuel and some other fish show, maybe like Jam Night of the Baker's Dozen or something. Yeah, that was the summer I graduated high school and saw like twelve of those shows. That was amazing. And uh, before going to going to school in Boston, Um, but I think yeah, the best show. Uh, (laughs) um, It was uh, Roger Waters' The Wall. Dude, 2010 at Nassau Coliseum. I was Pink Floyd was like my biggest thing ever. I was listening to it all the time. Listening to them, yeah. Um, learning everything on guitar, I was just like such a huge fan, and uh, yeah, my dad and I went, and it was so like just a breathtaking like it was like a Broadway production. You know, I've yeah. seen like, Phantom of the Opera at Broadway. It's the same thing. The level of work and production and like just perfection of the thing is just insane it's really it's like overwhelming it's intense the theatrics and choreography and and the music and the tones of every musician those are really serious serious musicians that roger waters hires to do that show and uh obviously the music behind the wall is just brilliant and there's a it's funny i gotta find this video that i have of my dad freaking out when the wall comes down at the end he was like yeah. yeah, he's like fucking <laughs> crazy. He'd like screaming, everyone's screaming. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and uh, G.E. Smith was playing guitar at that time. Who's great? Yeah. He was on SNL back in the day. He's a badass, you know, badass guy. And he's his. I don't know if you've ever listened to him talk in interviews, but he's like one of the most fun people to listen to talk about music and stories of like touring with Bob Dylan and and. Uh, Dude, yeah, he's he's a badass. No, I've I've never I've never heard him in interviews, but yeah, I mean, like when he if, if Roger Waters, he's one of those guys that if he's going to put a band together, it's going to be. I mean, think of the musicians who are like inspired by Pink Floyd. I mean, everyone to some degree, you know, has been touched by their music in some whether through osmosis or through like deep dive devotion you know, is like into Pink Floyd. And so yeah. he's always going to put together a great group of musicians. And yeah, that's the, that the describing it like a Broadway show is how I've always, I also saw the, that tour um, with my dad um, who is a massive Pink Floyd fan and talk. He, my dad talks about the original mm-hmm. um, wall tour um, little plug for a different episode, but he, <laughs> he uh, yeah. I mean, he used to talk about that show, like, you know, he's seen hundreds of shows or whatever, and he's like, nothing will ever compare. And so when we got the chance to go see it, it was like, what? We're going to see the wall? Like, how is that even going to happen? Like, yeah, just an in- incredible amount of work and um, and production that goes into that show. Nuts. Was there, um, it, seeing that, was that, um, were you like, it, it sounds like you were really into Pink Floyd, but you like knew all the wall songs. You like knew the show a little bit or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I listened to those, those albums all the time. And I knew that, you know, and I'd seen the wall movie, the movie. And, uh, yep. I knew back in the eighties, they did a similar thing. I think where they like tore the wall down or maybe, I don't know. It probably wasn't as intense back then, although it was like the real original thing, which has got to be. Yeah stupid 
good. But yeah, I, I listened to all those albums. I listened to them so much that I can't even like I, I could never listen to them now. I feel like I've I've tried, but it, it starts and then I'm just like, oh, I get too into it. It's just like so good. You know, I'm just like I get yeah. like bad. I'm like, how can they be so perfect? You know, it's just like how they do that. You know, there's there's such a sound, um, and it seems like like between David Gilmore and Roger Waters, there's just so much genius being uh, put onto those records. Whether it's through the arrangements of the songs or just through the sheer skill, like listening to a guy like David Gilmore. I mean, you can hear a David Gilmore solo separate with all of the other track taken off of it and be like, that's a David Gilmore solo. Like, you know. Yeah. And just to make a strat sound like that, like I play a strat, it's yeah. it's remarkable. And uh yeah, did you hear that Roger Waters is a new money single? He's remaking Dark Side of the Moon. No, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. He he just kind of like whispers spoken word over like a jazzy quiet money baseline progression but it's uh i don't know it's like you know it's cool that he's still active and making music that he believes in you know but it's it's getting it's funny it's getting like a lot of hate online and stuff but it's like this is the guy that freaking made one of the greatest albums ever in history it's like let him do whatever he wants with it you know yeah is there ever a time where you guys you know, you've there's songs that you guys have toured for a while now. Is there ever a time where you're like, man, I wish we could kind of go in and like, you know, change this or add this or do a little more of this with it? Or yeah, well, that's the great one of the beauties of playing in a band that plays. You know, every show is different, and and you improvise a lot. Is uh, we'll play songs differently, unplanned, either by someone making his mistake and everyone has to follow until it goes into something else crazy or just uh, feeling something naturally in a very strange way all of the, all at the same time. Um, yeah. Not just in the improvised parts, but <clears throat> in the form and the arrangement too. And uh, But we also go back and change stuff years later too, which is cool. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know if that answers here. No, it, it does. It, you know, it, it sounds like there's, almost any artist would love to to go back and like, you know, address one of their albums. Like I recently saw Billy strings and he talks about, you know, making turmoil on the tinfoil. And he's like, I would, I didn't really know what I was doing when I made that. I wish he said this on stage. He's like, I wish I could go back and change some of those <laughs> songs and people there are like, that's my favorite shit in the world. What are you talking yeah. about? You know, so, you know what? Yeah. The way I feel about it, like our first record was super organic and natural. And, um, you know, we recorded it all ourselves and uh, in this room, actually, if you're watching this video. And um, it, uh, if any warts or little tidbits that aren't like perfect, that's it's a perfect snapshot and representation of what was happening at the time in our musical yeah. growth. You know, we were like 19 when we were recording that. And uh, Joey was like 17 or something. And um, uh and I'm I'm super grateful that it sounds how it does, because you, yeah. you can hear it. Like you can hear the difference now, and it's it's great that we have something that can musically capture that that part of our lives. And uh, yeah, I personally wouldn't want to go back and change anything, you know. Even yeah, I mean, stuff from the most recent album, because it's like that's why you just keep making them. To you know, if you didn't like something about the last one, give it another shot. 
you know. Exact. They're all. Everything's just building blocks to the next, you know, project you're working on. It's all just, uh, you know, nothing's the final piece. You know, nothing's the final. Like this is it. This is dogs in the pile now. Like it's all, it's all dogs in the pile. It's all your work, and it all builds to the next one. And so, um, uh, going back to that, going back to that show at the wall with your dad. Um, is your dad? <laughs> so my my dad's gonna hate that I tell this story, but whatever. He when we went to that show, he we pull into the United Center in Chicago, and he hadn't been talking for a little while, and I just thought it was like because of the traffic, and he's like, all right. This is probably the last time I'm going to see these guys. Okay. And so I brought a joint. Oh, <laughs> I brought, I brought one and he like pulls this little like mosquito leg, like joint out of his jacket. It's like bent and broken or whatever. And he's just like, we're going to smoke this in there and you don't have to, if you don't want to, but I want you to know that this is going to happen. Where Did you, is that like a relationship you have with your dad too? Or is that? Um, no, I, you know, like, No, never with like pot or weed, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I think at like one of the fish shows we went to, we had like a couple of beers before the show, and that was like real exciting. You know, that was about yeah, yeah dude. Was... <laughs> Gotta have that, you know, that beer. Like I'm sure the the concert with your son and the beer with your son moment feels like the, a similar moment. You know, feels like yeah, that's a bonding little yeah, 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 dude. <laughs> I just I'll I'll never forget that moment. I thought I I myself had been smoking weed for a few years at that point. So I had to be like, "Oh, um yeah, I guess uh I don't Yeah. Inside I was like, "Of course, of course I'll smoke this fucking thing with you." You know, like Right. That's um, great. <laughs> um my dad explaining to me what pot. I didn't know what pot was at Motley Crue or All right, I keep saying pot. Why do I keep saying pot? I didn't know what Yeah, like, you you sound like a cop, dude. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what it was in my first few shows, and I like knew I smelled that smell. And to me, I just called it like concert smell. It's like it smells like a concert, <laughs> you know. And uh, I said that to my mom one time, and she's like, "Oh, he's probably smelling the pot and stuff." And I was like, "I guess that's why I call it pot because my mom always called it that." And um, yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> then my dad was like, "Yeah, that's that's what that is," and then. Yeah, now obviously I know what it is, and it's at all the shows. But it's crazy. the The first time I smelled that at a show, I was like, "It's weird. It smells like Uncle Eric's house here." Um, <laughs> yeah, and my dad's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't think about that. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't worry about that." Um, yeah. man, cool. I mean, yeah, this, Pink Floyd is to me is such a like my me and my dad's music. Um, and I and I think about all the times like he was showing me stuff that he was like, you know, we'd get in a long car car ride. And he's like, this is going to be weird, you know, but this is going to be some Pink Floyd for you. Um, and it's cool. It Like I've had this this moment with other people, too, where we talk about the father son moment with Pink Floyd. And sometimes I think Pink Floyd gets kind of overlooked within the jam scene. So, you know. Talked about it with my dad. Super happy to talk about it with you, dude. Um, so with with dogs in the pile, you guys got shows coming up and and all of that. Do you guys have? Um, is there anything that you're excited to see along the way? Like, are you doing any sets alongside anyone or like anyone that you're excited to to see play live? Yeah, well, we're doing a tour with 
pigeons playing ping pong at yeah, the year in the fall. And that should be awesome. Um, those guys are so much fun and really cool people as well. And uh, yeah, we're going to be hitting some crazy venues around the U S like uh, uh, mission ballroom in Colorado, man, kind of a newer venue. It's, it's wild. It's so cool. We saw the disco biscuits there um, when we were kind of living there for a month, doing like a residency at different venues. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool room. Really cool room. The sound is great. It's, it's a really cool place to see a show. Really cool stage, cool building. Um, yeah. And then uh, some other shows. <clears throat> Super excited for uh, Great Divide. That's a thing coming up. Um, it'll probably have already happened by the time this comes out, but it's it's a yeah. campground in New Jersey. That's really sweet. And there are a bunch of cabins there. Everybody stays there for like a two-day thing. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah. And then uh, just looking at the schedule here, those are the ones that come to mind, first of all. And then uh, yeah, I mean, you asked well, I know. I mean, I'm stoked to see you guys play with pigeons playing ping pong. I'm I'm gonna get to catch you guys at the Troubadour, which is like um not a new place, super old place, but it okay. seems like you know, I've gotten to see a couple other shows there and it's just such a classic like LA rock venue, you know, so many people have played there and it's such a small, tight knit room in there. Um, so I'm personally very stoked for that show and glad you guys are coming through. Yeah. That was Elton John's first U.S. show. Is that Troubadour? Oh, really? That's, a, that's exactly right, dude. And that's exactly what I think about every time I'm in there. I'm like, oh, man, Elton Gee, John. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Hell yeah. Um, that that would have been cool to have um, Sam kind of in the background this whole time, kind of like giving us some like facts. He's like, just so uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon came out in 1974. So actually, just so you guys know. Three. That would have been cool. Yeah. yeah, no, that would yes. <laughs> that would have been cool. awesome. Um, well, dude, thanks so much for doing the show. Um, super cool that we got to talk about your be your best shows. And listen, if if your best show ever gets topped, if you ever see anyone where you're like, "Fuck, that just overtook the wall," yeah, be happy to have you back on, man. Yeah, I'll call you as I'm walking out of the venue, <laughs> shouting and screaming. Yeah, that's that's something else I forgot to mention about the best show of the Roger Waters show was that as soon as my dad and I got home from that show, we went online and got tickets for the next one at MSG. It was like, no way <laughs> that like, holy crap, you know, but, uh, yeah, you got, you got to go see it again. I mean, it's, it's a lot to take in. Um, it's a lot to process. And so ended up, seeing uh, it. hell yeah, dude. It was great. Man. That was the best show ever. That was the best show ever. That was the best show, the best show ever. That was the best show. Man, there was fucked up stuff in there. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? But that was a little bit of music from Jesus and Fartfinger, but also a really great conversation with Brian from Dogs in the Pile. Uh, I mean, just a great band. If you're getting a chance to um, get out and see those guys while they're on tour uh, with Pigeons, Pigeons playing ping pong, go check them out. Uh, they're fantastic. 
Brian's fantastic. And the rest of the band is awesome. Um, and we had a great conversation, dude. I love chatting Pink Floyd. Um, love talking about dad stuff. Come on. What's better than seeing a concert with your dad, dude? Um, but if you've liked this episode, if you like this conversation, there's a bunch of other ones. Um, it's the best show ever. Check it out. We're on Osiris Media. Um, got a bunch of cool conversations with a bunch of cool people. Um, and more of them are coming out soon. So look out for those. But until then, have a great show. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.